As you know, this is not only the 40th anniversary celebration of our educational ministries here at Bethesda, it is also Pentecost Sunday. The word Pentecost is derived from the Greek word meaning 50. 50 days after Passover, Pentecost was celebrated every year as one of three major Jewish feasts, also known as the Feast of Weeks. But the specific Pentecost, which followed the death and resurrection of Jesus, was the occasion on which the Holy Spirit was given to believers in Jerusalem. Therefore, this is the day on the church calendar that we celebrate the birth of the church, the church of the Lord Jesus, so happy birthday, church. It is the day that we celebrate the coming of the promised Holy Spirit, as Jesus said would happen in Luke 24 when he said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So as I approached this day and I considered the fact that we're celebrating 40 years of God's favor and blessing on our educational ministries and the great people who have contributed so dynamically to its success, that and the fact that this celebration happens to fall right on Pentecost Sunday, it caused me to look at the second chapter of Acts in a particular light. It is an important day on the church calendar. And I, I'm going to ask you to stand one more time. I know you've stood a lot, but stand in honor of what the Word of the Lord has to say about this. And we're going to read it together. Um, and you, those of you who are regular here at Bethesda know with in yellow, that's your part, okay? That's what you're going to read. So I'm going to ask you to read it loudly. We don't do wimpy reading here, okay? I want you to read it, take a deep breath, and I want you to read it as well as Mackenzie just sang for us, okay? Let's read it together. When the day Allow me to read. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. Uh, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And here's what we heard. So amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, oh, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up. By the way, anytime something spiritual takes place, it can look peculiar. And somebody's always going to want to declare it to be peculiar. I've been in church long enough to know I don't judge peculiar because I know God may be doing something. <clears throat> Let me, uh, I've lost my spot. Where am I? 
Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Thank God there's still a place for us. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And how many are thankful for that today? You may be seated. One of the most dynamic and well-known passages of Scripture in the whole of the New Testament It is as powerful for us today as it was on the day of Pentecost. For as believers, let me just say it this way, and I'm going to see if anyone agrees with me here, we are privileged to know that the Holy Spirit dwells within for lots of reasons. Let me just name a few. And I'm going to say this, if any of this has been your testimony or true for you, it's okay if you respond. The Holy Spirit dwells within to convict us, to counsel us, to teach us, to guide us, to strengthen. Anybody have that? Comfort, to be our great helper, to give us power, to produce fruit in our lives, to sanctify, purify, justify us, to give gifts, to baptize us, to unify us, bind us together with cords that cannot be broken, our former pastor used to say, to build us together for a house for God, to show us things to come, and so much more. If the Holy Spirit has been any of that to you, can you give a rousing amen? Now, there are people today who are what we call cessationists. They believe that the gifts and functioning of the Holy Spirit ceased or stopped with the apostles or the apostolic age. In other words, they believe the gifts and function of the Holy Spirit stopped when the original apostles of Christ were no more, when they died off. So there is no need to give a prophetic utterance. There is no need to pray for healing because all of that stopped when the apostolic age ended. But I speak at least for myself today when I say I am not a cessationist. I am what you call a continuationist because I believe with every fiber of my being that the spiritual gifts have continued right up to this present day. I believe, I'm going to use a double negative, that we have not been left without a comforter. I believe we have not been left without a helper, that we have not been left without one who empowers us, but he is very much alive and living within us even at this very moment. Hallelujah. So in my looking at this passage this week, I couldn't help but put a focus on the people who were there when the Holy Spirit came. And I gave them, I gave them a name. I called them the people of the upper room. People of the upper room. Now, we know what the second chapter of Acts says. We, we just read it. And in my looking, I began to see the parallel or the commonality, knowing that we were going to have this very special day, I began to see the parallel of the people of the upper room with all of the people we are honoring today for their service to Bethesda Child Development Center and Bethesda Christian School, because I think they have quite a bit in common. 
In fact, I find at least three things, and I see them all in the first four verses of this second chapter of Acts, which you just read for us a moment ago. Here's the first parallel that I see. It comes from the first verse of the second chapter. When the day of Pentecost came, it says, and you read it, they were all together in one place. Obviously, on the day of Pentecost, they were not in the middle of a pandemic. There's no mention of masks. There's no mention of social distancing, nor any online gathering. Did we read about in Acts chapter 2? They were all together in one place. Can I just say there is a lot to be said for the gathering of the people of God. I would like 15 more minutes added to my clock just to talk about this. I know I'm not going to get it, but I thought I would ask. There's a lot to be said for the gathering of the people of God, for the body of Christ coming together. It's more than just being physically together. I'm thankful for every person who's watching us online today. I'm thankful that we have the electronics to be able to do that, particularly in this last year. But it does not negate to me the value of the gathering of the people of God. Faith is built when we worship together in one place. Encouragement comes when two or three believers can look at each other face to face and eye to eye and edify each other in the Lord. Inspiration comes when you not only see our choir sing, when you don't simply hear our choir sing, but when you can feel something in the room when they minister to us. And I actually believe, I'll go this far, that something supernatural takes place in the heavenlies when God's children come together to exalt his name as people of the Most High God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 12, the Apostle Paul uses a Greek compound word. It's the only place in the New Testament where this compound word uh, is used. It's sum para kaleo, sum para kaleo. And Paul is speaking to Romans that he had not met yet, nor had he been to Rome yet, nor had he established really any kind of relationship. And he he hadn't been there. He was waiting to impart spiritual gifts to them. And yet he speaks to them, looking forward to gathering with them, knowing that as believers, he says, there will be mutual encouragement and strengthening. He says, when we get together, they will be encouraged and strengthened by him, and he is going to be encouraged and strengthened by them. It's sum para kaleo the gathering of the people of God, and it's important and it's crucial in the life of any believer. On the day of Pentecost, the Bible tells us that they were gathered together in one place and that they gathered for a purpose. They were waiting on the promise of the Father as given through his son, Jesus. And just like on the day of Pentecost, the folks who have sacrificed for our educational ministries in this house have faithfully gathered together in one place and for a specific purpose. And that purpose was to rely upon the enabling of the Holy Spirit to daily impart wisdom, knowledge, strength, encouragement, and faith to the young men and women, boys and girls, which God through the Holy Spirit has brought our way. The people of the upper room are people who gather together. There's another commonality I see, and that is this. It's in verse 2 and 3. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. 
and the Bible says they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest upon each of them. Here's what I would say about that particular thing is what I felt the Lord prompted to my heart to share with you today. People who are filled with the Holy Spirit have a supernatural enabling to see what the Holy Spirit is doing. It's not just a matter of looking. No, they see with different eyes. What the people of the upper room saw on the day of Pentecost was a symbol of power, a symbol of enlightenment. It was tongues of fire that rested upon each of them. And I would tell you this, that every day for 40 years, students have walked into this house, and our faculty and staff have been enabled by the power, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to see what only the Holy Spirit could allow them to see. Sometimes it was brokenness on the face of a child. Sometimes it was utter joy. At times it was discouragement and despair because of turmoil maybe taking place in their home. At other times it was irrepressible delight at something wonderful that had happened or taken place in in their life. Our Bethesda faculty and staff have had supernatural eyes to see. And Bethesda Church, those of you who aren't on this campus Monday through Friday, first of all, you probably can tell from today there's a lot that happens on this place Monday through Friday. I'm hoping that today will serve as a reminder to you to faithfully pray for all of our educators that when you go through your day, go through what you're doing, that you will remember something is happening on this place and we need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. That the cloven tongues of fire will rest upon them and they will have the ability to see supernaturally every student for who he is, who she is, and who God has designed them to be. And that's just one more reason why I'm calling the people we're honoring today here at Bethesda. I believe they are people of the upper room. The third parallel I see between those who were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost and those that we're honoring comes from verse 4, chapter 2, verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. When the Holy Spirit comes, guess what? You begin to speak, and the Bible makes it clear, what do you speak? According to verse 11 of the second chapter of Acts, we hear them declaring the wonders of God. That's what they were saying. Whether it was in English, Spanish, French, Swahili, Kenyawanda, Burmese, or an unknown tongue. That's what the people of the upper room did on the day of Pentecost. And that is what has been declared by Bethesda's people of the upper room. They are declaring the wonders, some versions say declaring the mighty acts of God. 